We are in week three of our summer series, and up until this point, so the past two weeks, I've been emphasizing this point, that wisdom is more a matter of the heart than it is a matter of the head. If we're going to walk in wisdom, then our hearts need to be oriented to it. We need to cherish wisdom, value wisdom. We need to pursue wisdom and and humbly submit to wisdom. And in order for us to, to be wise people, our hearts need to be shaped by those things that are wisdom. However, having a heart oriented to wisdom is not enough. Now, this isn't contradiction. I'm just sort of adding on to the idea of wisdom. Wisdom is also very much an issue of knowledge and skill. To truly walk in wisdom, we need to skillfully apply wisdom to situations. So we can have all the good heart motives and good intentions and good moral categories that we want. But if we're not skillfully applying these things, then we're not walking in wisdom. This is what Ray Ortland says in his commentary on Proverbs. If we have love but not wisdom, we will harm people with the best intentions. If we have courage but not wisdom, we will blunder boldly. If we have truth but not wisdom, we will make the gospel ugly to other people. If we have technology but not wisdom, we will use the best communications ever invented to broadcast stupidity. If we have revival but not wisdom, we'll use the power of God to throw the church into reverse gear. Some of you, you have great categories, good moral theological categories. Your heart is in the right place, but you're still learning. There's much growth in skillfully applying. I know that is true for me in so many ways. And so we have to recognize it's not just a matter of good intentions and the right heart posture. We also need to care about skillful application. So let's, let's give wisdom a little bit more specific definition here. So Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if wisdom comes from the Lord. It's defined by him. If we're going to learn to walk in wisdom, we have to find it from God. So those things being true, let's give this definition to wisdom. The skillful application of the fear of the Lord. The skillful application of the fear of the Lord. So we want to have good theological and moral categories for what it means to fear the Lord. We want to have hearts that are filled with fear of the Lord, meaning love and awe and reverence and worship for our great God. And we want to be able to apply that fear. We want to be able to apply that love, apply that worship, apply that, those good theological and moral categories to our daily lives. And so for the remainder of this series, so for the next seven weeks, we're going to apply wisdom to specific areas of our lives. And this morning, we are going to talk about communication. Wisdom for communication. So how many of you had this experience growing up? Maybe a kid in your neighborhood or in school said something very mean to you and kind of hurt your feelings, and you went home, and your parents, trying to help you get over it and get past it, taught you this great little saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you actually taught that to your kids? Okay, well-intentioned, totally understand, trying to build resiliency to to get past when people say hurtful and harmful things. What's the problem with that, though? Words hurt, right? Words hurt. Words have power. If you've ever been on the end of words that kind of cut right through your heart and into your soul, you know the effect that words have. 
They might not leave outward scars and bruises, but they leave scars and bruises nonetheless. Words are powerful. This is what the book of Proverbs says about words. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the fool brings ruin near. It also says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And words are powerful. They can bring life and joy, encouragement, transformation, and they can bring ruin and discouragement and destruction and death. Words are powerful, and that is why we need wisdom when it comes to our communication. So in his commentary on Proverbs, Alan Ross lists about 90 Proverbs related to speech. And so more than any other topic in the book of Proverbs, it addresses our tongue and our speech. More than it talks about work, more than it talks about relationships, more than it talks about money, more than it talks about sex and purity, the book of Proverbs talks about our speech and our tongue, which makes sense when you consider this. Research shows that the average person speaks about 700 times a day. This isn't 700 words, this is 700 speech acts. Some of you, it's way more. But average, 700 times that you speak. Let's say you're really shy, and it's half that. So like 350, 300, 350. There are few things that you do 350 to 700 times a day. And if we're talking that much, if, if speech occupies that much of our day, then yes, we need wisdom. You better believe Proverbs is going to say a lot about our speech. So we need wisdom. It is through wisdom that our mouths become a fountain of life. And so how do we walk in wisdom? How, how do we get our speech to reflect life? And that's going to be our focus this morning. And so here's the big idea for us. It's kind of three categories that I want to discuss. The wise person speaks what is true, what is loving, and what is needed. What is true, what is loving, and what is needed. So first, the wise person speaks what is true. Proverbs 10.14 says this, the wise lay up knowledge. And then Proverbs 20.15 says, there is gold and abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Now this word knowledge here, it's important because it's not just a bunch of facts and information and data. It's much deeper than that. It's much bigger than that. Knowledge carries with it this idea of discernment, being able to tell what is good, what is evil, what is right, what is wrong, what is true. To be knowledgeable according to scripture is I understand what is true. I have a clear sense of that. The wise know what is true and their lips speak what is true, according to the book of Proverbs. The lips of the wise are precious, a precious jewel and a fountain of life because they speak precious truth to other people. Without truth, there is no life and there is no wisdom in our speech. Think of it this way. If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then for our speech to be wise... What we speak must reflect this fear. It must reflect a fear of the Lord, a, a, a allegiance to the Lord. Our speech must honor and glorify God. And we do this by speaking truth. For the Lord is truth. For us to honor God, our speech must reflect God's character and God's nature. And the Lord is truth. 
get this, the Lord isn't someone who does true things or just says true things. The Lord is truth. He defines it. His very nature, his very character is truth. God cannot lie, does not lie, because he is truth itself. And so if you want to fear the Lord with your speech, if you want to walk in wisdom with your speech, if you want your speech to be life-giving, then you need to speak what is true. Proverbs 12, says this, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Why? Why is lying an abomination to the Lord? Well, first, it's because lying contradicts his very nature. Lying is a rebellion against who God is. God is truth, and so for us to lie is to reject and rebel against who God is. Lying shows a lack of the fear of the Lord. Lying moves us away from truth. Lying moves us away from life. Lying moves us away from wisdom because lying moves us away from the Lord. So to be wise in our speech, we must have this fear of the Lord. We must reject lying and deceit, and we must commit to truth and speaking truth. Here's another aspect of why truth is so important, because truth is redemptive. Truth transforms. Truth sets you free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And what will the truth do? Oh, it'll set you free. Jesus prayed for his disciples, Father, sanctify them in your truth. Father, transform them. Conform them into what is good and beautiful and true and godly and righteous and holy. Transform them into what is loving and full of life by your truth. So truth is powerful. Truth sanctifies. Truth transforms. Truth sets you free. That's why it is so powerful. That's why it is so important. And where there is no truth, there's no life. Where there's no truth, there's no wisdom. Where there is lying and deceit, there's only destruction and death. Here's what Proverbs 10:18 tells us. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and who, whoever utters slander is a fool. Look, to lie is to exercise hatred. Like, to lie is to tear down. To lie is to destroy. When we lie, like, we don't care about what's redemptive. Like, when we, when we lie, we don't care about what is good and beautiful and righteous. We don't care about life in those moments when we're lying. We care about something else. We care about our own image. We care about being selfish. We care about our own agendas. We move away from what is wisdom, and we step into what is foolishness. Man, lying ruins relationships and harms others. You think about if you have a relationship built on a lie, what does that do? It prevents you from actually having true intimacy, a true relationship, because the foundation of that relationship is all a bunch of lies. It's all untruth, and you cannot build what is redemptive and good. You cannot have the kind of relationship that actually transforms you for your good if everything you're doing is a lie. So when we tell lies about people, when we put up a, put up a false front we're destroying and wrecking relationship. We're destroying and wrecking what is meant to be redemptive. And look, this hatred isn't just when we slander and tear into people. Here's what Proverbs also says. A lying tongue hates its victim, and a flattering mouth works ruin. False flattery. Have you ever met that person who will just praise you up and down? You can tell it's disingenuous. Like, you don't really mean that. 
What is that? That's manipulation. That's I'm trying to get you to think I like you so I can control you. Like if I tell you enough good things about you and, and, and you just sort of see me as this nice person who likes me, well, I got you wrapped around my finger. I can get you to do what I want. Flattery destroys. Flattery is manipulation. Flattery is not wisdom. So let me ask this question. Why do you lie? Why do you not speak truth? Maybe some of you, man, you lie because you actually want to appear to be more intelligent than you are. Like you don't want people to know that you lack wisdom. You don't want people to know that you lack some kind of knowledge, and so you lie to put up a false front. You lie to appear to be something you're not. Maybe you lie about other people. You slander other people because you're trying to build up your image. You tear them down so you appear better. So your move in order to build your image to feel good about yourself is to rip into others. Maybe you're a false flatterer because you just need to manipulate people. I mean, I need to get people to like me so I can control the relationship. And so I'm going to praise this person. It has nothing to do with actually loving them. It's because I need to control them. I need them to, to like me. I need to be in relationship for what that gives me. Look, whatever your motivation is, and just be honest with yourself right here because the Lord knows. Just be honest right now. Whatever your motivation is to lie, understand that that is not the fear of the Lord. Understand that the end of that is going to be ruin and destruction. It's not going to bring redemption. It's not going to bring life. It's not going to bring joy. It's not going to bring flourishing, whether to you or to those around you. It's damaging and destructive. But maybe you're like me. This is where I'm tempted to lie. I'm tempted to lie when I think the truth is going to upset the peace. See, I make peace an idol, and so if I'm going to tell somebody something that might hurt a little bit, might cause a little bit of conflict, I often keep it to myself. Like when Mindy and I first got married, she would regularly ask me, hey, hey did you pay the credit card bill? And I didn't want to fight with my wife because I often forgot. And so I tell her, oh, yeah, sure, get online. Even when she asks me today, I still have this tinge of like, wait, did I really do it? Am I lying about what I'm doing? Because I had to repent of that. But there's this regular sense that if I tell the truth here, I'm going to get into conflict and I'm going to fight with someone. And so I sometimes pull punches. Like oftentimes when I'm pastoring or in discipleship, sometimes I won't say things to people because I'm afraid of the effect it might have. And I have to go back and go, what? That, that was fear. That was lying. That's not wisdom. So, so if I'm having a conversation with you, you may have to ask me, hey, Chris, are you telling me everything that you're thinking right now? <laughs> are you holding anything back? I'm growing, so you can trust me largely. But the point being, when we lie, when we hold back, it's not wisdom. It's not wisdom. When we hold back in this way, we're not speaking life-giving truth to those that we are discipling and we're friends with. Is that you? Do you hold back? Do you withhold things that people need to hear because you're afraid to upset the peace? This is what Proverbs 27.5 says. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Look, you can love someone in their, your heart up and down. You can have the best feelings towards them until you're blue in the face, but if you keep that inside, it's not redemptive. It's not life-giving. It's not helpful. It's not helping them grow. It is better for you to rebuke someone openly than to keep that inside because that's wisdom. 
That is being wise with your speech. Here's another way that I think we can betray truth. And I don't know if this is out of misguided notions of sympathy or because sometimes we have an unhealthy desire to be seen as a counselor and and someone that people can come to with their problems. But here's actually what happens. We become what Ray Ortland calls a garbage collector. So here's what people do. They come to us and they bring, they vent. They bring all of their problems. They bring all of their, their issues. And sometimes they'll even gossip and they'll slander and they just bring all that pain and they just blah on you. And what do you do? Out of interest of being a good counselor, a, a, ear, a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on, you just sort of take it. Never pushing back, never questioning, never trying to speak truth. And so you just collect people's garbage. You collect people's baggage. And sometimes you'll perpetuate and allow gossip to go. You will allow people to, to express themselves in, unhurtful, in hurtful and unhelpful ways. And for whatever reason, you'll never speak wisdom to them. You'll never speak life-giving truth to them. And so a culture of garbage collecting can perpetuate. Flip that around. Sometimes we vent, we express, we say things that are in our heart, not because we, need, we want someone to come into that and set us straight, not because we want someone to shine light in our darkness, we want correction and rebuke and helpful truth, but we just need to, we just need to speak our voice. We just need to be heard. We just need to speak our own truth. And, and again, I don't under, know if that's a, just a, a misguided understanding of what it means to be authentic, or perhaps we just find a good identity in being the offended and the hurt person. I mean, that gets you a lot of stock in our culture today. But underneath that is not truth. Like, you're not interested in truth because truth has an eye toward redemptive change. Honest confession, honest sharing always has this implicit invitation, hey, correct me where I'm wrong. Help me see truth. Help me see what is good. And here's the scary thing, church. If we create a culture of garbage collecting and just sort of venting out of this false sense of authenticity, man, that destroys churches. That destroys community. Like sexual sin can affect a church in some ways, but usually the effect is pretty small. Gossip and garbage collecting, that kind of culture will destroy churches because it runs through the entire community. And so we need to be careful. We need to care about truth. We need to fear the Lord and care about truth and its redemptive power. And so church, do you want your speech to be redemptive? Do you want to be used by God to bring transformation and godliness and goodness and beauty and righteousness in life and speak what is true? Pursue truth. Because here's what Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Like, if you're not feasting on truth, if you're not filling yourself up with truth and wisdom from the Lord, then you're going to speak a bunch of foolishness. And you're not going to feed anybody wisdom. And so you have to be committed to what is true. If you want to speak what is true, commit yourself to what is true. And then also, as Proverbs 4.24 says, put away from your, you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Reject lying. Let us be a church that says, no, we do not tolerate lying. I'm not going to tolerate it in my own heart. And if you are saying something deceptive and not committed to the truth, then I'm going to lovingly call you on that. Let's be committed to putting deception far from us. 
And then, as Proverbs 23, 16 says, my inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Do we celebrate truth? Do we celebrate what is right? Do we celebrate what is life-giving and godly? Oh, church, that is what Scripture calls us to. That is what it means to speak in wisdom, is when my heart celebrates that, then I'm going to want to speak wisdom. And so, church, we need to care about this. We need to care about the relationships we're in. We need to care about discipleship. We need to care about building other people. We need to care about speaking wisdom to one another. And so let's commit ourselves to truth, that truth may transform us. So wise people speak what is true. Wise people speak what is loving. Because the wise person understands this. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Think of it this way. Guys, next time you're with your girl, Wife, fiance, girlfriend, you're sitting on the couch, looking deep into her eyes, setting the mood with some music, maybe there's some, some candles, flowers, wine, you're just, you're in your zone. Look deep into her eyes and say this, your face could stop a clock. See what happens. If she's smart, she'll smack you across the face. Try this instead. When I look at you, time stands still. Very different things. Very different things. Missing the point in one, suave in the other. But here's the point. How you say something matters. You may have an idea in your head, you may have a truth in your head, but if it doesn't come out in the way that is helpful, then that's a problem. Because often how you say something reflects why you're saying it. How you say something reflects why you're saying it. And oftentimes, we go sideways when we speak truth because our motivation to speak truth is not godly. Here's what Proverbs tells us. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. So our speech, even when we're telling the truth, can stir up strife. If we're not committed to love, if we're not motivated by love, then we will take truth and we will smack people over the head with it. We'll use it as a bludgeon just to beat them down. And some of you, you've been on the other end of that. You, you recognize, hey, I know what you're saying is true, but nowhere in what you're telling me do I ever feel like you love me. And so how we say things and why we say things matters. The wise person understands that I need to speak the truth, but I also need to speak it in a loving way. So why do you tell the truth? What motivates you to tell the truth? Oh, is it the glorious, redemptive purposes of God? Is it to see transformation and redemption and restoration and life happen? Do you love people because you want to see the power of God at work in their life? Or is it you just want to wow others with your knowledge? Oh, I want to be seen as the wise person. I want to be seen as the counselor. Is it I want to control other people with my wisdom? I want to kind of have my little following of people. I'm the teacher and these people follow me around. Is, is it perhaps anger? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unleash truth on you because you annoy me. Because you've sinned against me for the last time and I'm tired of it. Oh, we can run down the list of all the reasons that we tell, tell the truth and speak truth. But if it's not motivated by love, if it's not motivated by a desire to see this person redeemed and transformed by the grace of Christ, then it doesn't matter if we speak the truth. Because we will use the truth as a weapon rather than redemptively. How's your tone? 
When you speak truth, what is your tone like? Spouses, when you speak truth to one another, what's your tone? Parents, when you speak truth to your kids, what's your tone? And often I hear this, well, I was just angry. I was upset this person had sinned against me over and over and over and I just lost it. Look, don't let the other person's sin cause you to chew, boom, punt wisdom. Like, honestly, that's what we do. We just sort of say, oh, they sinned against me. Here goes wisdom, boom, out the door. No, that's no excuse. Being motivated by love, and I know it's hard. Wow, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment. When someone sins against you, you respond in love. But here's what Proverbs 15:1 says. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Look, a fool doesn't care how he comes across. A fool doesn't care if his truth-telling stirs up strife and conflict because a fool isn't motivated by love of others. And so we need to care about how we speak. We need to care about why we speak. Let's be motivated by love. Your tone will reflect your heart. Your tone will reflect your motivation. And so be careful of your tone. Watch your tone and let it, see, let it reveal to you what's going on in your heart. Now let's be clear about something. There's going to be times where truth needs to be spoken with conviction and force. Wisdom doesn't call us to this sort of timid, passive tone that lacks conviction and that everyone can just sort of dismiss. Like if you look at the Gospels and look at the way Jesus spoke, sometimes Jesus brought it hard. I mean, he flipped over tables at one point. Jesus spoke with force, but Jesus was always motivated by love. Jesus was always motivated by the glorious purpose of his Father. He was always motivated by redemption. And so Jesus, even when he spoke forcefully, even when he brought the truth with an edge, he did it in love. Now, anger can be redemptive. Anger can serve a purpose. Jesus walked that perfectly. You and I don't. You and I struggle with that. You and I miss a lot. And so if we're going to use our anger, if we're going to speak prophetically and forcefully, if we're going to have to cut through sin at times, we better be checking our heart. We better be asking ourselves, am I motivated by love right now? Is it the glory of God and, and righteousness that's motivating me right now, or am I just angry and irritated? So when we speak with wisdom, we need to ask ourselves, what is motivating us? And so some questions that we need to ask is what I'm saying right now about loving this other person or satisfying some rage inside me? Is what I'm saying right now about loving this other person or putting up a front so other people see me in a particular way? Is what I'm saying spoken out of patience and love and the glory of God and the good of others? Or am I lacking self-control in this moment? Is it love and truth and righteousness that are motivating me? Or is it my own glory, my own image that's motivating me? And here's, here's another thing that's helpful. When speaking with love, it is always good to ask questions. Like loving a person well, speaking truth well, means seeking understanding. Like slowing down and saying, hey, what's going on right now? Why are you doing what you're doing? Help me understand what you're doing. Because in that moment, it's not about reaction and retaliation. It's about, I want to love you, and so the best way I can love you is understand you. 
I want you to be heard, and I want to enter into this wisely. And so slowing down, asking questions, that is a good way to exercise the love for other people. It's a good way to check your heart. It's a good way to check your anger and step into that in a way that's motivated by love. And so church, let us be motivated by love in our communication. Let's be motivated by love in speaking the truth. Thirdly, we speak what is needed. So a commitment to speaking what is true and, com- and speaking what is loving will always lead to speaking what is needed. And this really is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the wisdom rubber meets the road because this is difficult. This is challenging. Being motivated by redemptive truth and motivated by love leads us to, this, to speaking what is necessary and timely and thoughtful and wise. And that is a powerful thing to do. If you have experienced that from other people, it's amazing how the Lord uses that. If you've been able to speak to someone that way, it's, it's awesome to be a part of that. Here's what Proverbs says. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Oh, there's something beautiful about a timely word. Spoken what is needed. So how do we get there? How do we do that? We talked about speaking the truth in love, but what else? How else do we speak what is needed? Well, this takes insight, this takes discernment, this takes wisdom, because we have to recognize speaking the truth in love is not a one-size-fits-all thing. We have to discern the situation. We have to understand kind of what the situation is and how do I approach it. Here's the classic example from Proverbs 26. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Conversely, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Two differing pieces of information Two different ways to enter into a situation. How do we know to do what? Well, if there was this nice little manual that had a perfect checklist and instructions on how to do this, we wouldn't need wisdom. So wisdom requires that we learn. Wisdom requires that we humble ourselves like we talked about in the past. Wisdom requires that we actually go through life and experience some some mistakes. But there is a principle here that Proverbs gives us. Proverbs repeatedly speaks about discretion in speech. Proverbs repeatedly speaks about holding our tongue and waiting to figure out what we need to say. Here's some examples. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponder how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. And then Proverbs 17, 27, and 28, whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. This reminds me of the, the saying usually attributed to Mark Twain, better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And so there is a wisdom in holding our tongue. There's a wisdom in showing discretion. There's a wisdom that causes us to pause and reflect what is needed here. What what is appropriate here? What is the right thing to say in this moment? Because wisdom tells us to use discretion, to give thought to what you're going to say. Let it fit the time and occasion. Be thoughtful. Be appropriate. Foolishness just says, Babylon, let her rip. 
Whatever you're feeling and thinking at a time, just let it come out. doesn't matter if it's helpful. doesn't matter if it's true. doesn't matter if it's accurate. doesn't matter if it fits the occasion. Just let her rip. And so we need to stop and reflect. How, how do we think through speaking what is needed in the moment? Well, here's some, some questions that we can think through. When instructing others, when engaging others, when discipling others, wisdom calls us to ask a question like this. Am I being thoughtful or am I just flying off the handle? Am I being thoughtful or am I just being reactionary? Am, is what I'm saying true? Is what I'm saying accurate or am I just pulling stuff out of the back of my head with no thoughts of what I'm saying? Does the tone fit the occasion in the situation? Am I exercising self-control or am I holding back because I'm fearful? Is this the right time to say what I'm going to say? So think of it this way. If I'm a good coach, like during a game, I'm constantly coaching my players and kind of giving in-game correction. So I might talk to a player and say, hey, tweak your shot this way, or hey, move your feet this way, or hey, stand position yourself this way. So I'm giving a correction in the moment and at the time. But let's say one of my players misses a game-winning shot or makes a mistake and turns the ball over and the game's over. Is it wise for me? If I'm a good coach, do I walk up to him right away and go, hey, this is what you should have done? No. That's not wisdom. Wisdom understands the appropriate time. And so there are times, yeah, you need to speak correction. You need to speak in the moment. And there are times you need to wait. There are times you need to give it time. You need to, you need to process later. And so you need to ask yourself the question, is this the right time? Is this the appropriate time? That is discretion. That is speaking when is needed. That is wisdom. And if I'm motivated by the desire for redemptive truth in love, then I might not always get it perfect. But if I keep wrestling, I'm going to grow in wisdom. And then when sharing about ourselves, wisdom calls us to share with discretion. You understand not everyone can steward your story, and not everyone should. Now, let's, let's say someone runs up to you and hands you this statue and says, hey, this is a 5,000-year-old statue, and it's, it's priceless, and it came from this museum. I want you to hold on to it and protect it, and then just walked away. Some of you, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go into immediate anxiety. What do I do with this thing? How to protect it? What does that mean? Can I, can I just put it on my shelf? Do I have to get kind of like this air-controlled case for it? What do I do with that? Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. Some of you, you might fumble it and boom, break it. And it's the same thing with us when we share our story, when we share things about ourselves. Some people, they're not equipped some people are going to take that information and they're going to just be anxious about it. They're like, they just told me all this stuff. I don't know what to do with that. Do I, do I talk to them about that? Do I ask them about that? Do I tell someone else about that? What do I do with that? Others, they're going to fumble it up and break it and make a mess of what you told them. And so we need to be wise about who we're sharing our story with. This isn't about hiding. This is just about discretion and wisdom. This is about being clear about, hey, some people can take my story. Some people can enter into that story. Some people can help me. And some people can't. And so we need to ask ourselves, why are we sharing? Are we sharing with a person to be led and taught and transformed by what is true? Or is it something else that's motivating me? Self-indulgence, image, misguided notions of vulnerability. 
We need to ask ourselves, is it appropriate to share? Is this needed? Is this necessary? Asking, is this person the right person to tell? Is what I'm sharing appropriate for them? What effect will it have on the person? So these are questions that we can regularly ask to get into, hey, is this needed? Is this good? Is this wise? There's nothing wrong with slowing down, church. There's nothing wrong with taking a breath, asking the Lord to reveal, what should I say? Is this needed? Is this appropriate? So understand, discretion is a virtue. Discretion is a good thing. Proverbs calls us to it. So let us walk in wisdom. Let's not only just speak what is true. Let's not only speak what is loving, but let's ask ourselves what is needed in the moment that we may land that truth in a loving and a helpful way. That when we share with other people, we're doing it in such a way that brings us closer, that invites them into our story, that they may speak truth to us in a helpful way. And so church, in conclusion, wisdom is a powerful thing. Wisdom and communication is so life-giving. And we need to be careful how we're stewarding it. We need to be careful of how we walk in our communication. Because so often you and I are given over to deception. So often we're given over to building our own image, using communication to build our own image, to, to appearing wise in our own eyes to, so people can think that we're a particular way. So often our communication is more about us and our anger and our being right than it is about love. So often we walk in deception to cover over who we really are because we don't want people to see that. So often we use lies so that we can get away with things that feed our lust. So often we don't use discretion because we don't want to actually have to stop and humble ourselves and consider what is needed and what is good. We can just go down the list. We can go down the list of all the ways we break this, all the ways that we ruin this, all the ways that we walk in lies and deceits, all the ways that we don't fear the Lord. And then when you look at what Scripture calls us to, you realize there's a problem. There's a massive problem. We have a major truth problem. We have a major love problem. We have a major wisdom problem. But this is the good news of the gospel. The gospel in all its wisdom, in all its truth, in all its love steps right into that brokenness, right into that mess, right into that sin, right into those lies. Oh, here's the good news of the gospel. At the right time, right when it was needed, Christ came into the world. God always speaks right to where you need. The gospel lands right where you need it. And so church, here's our hope to walk in wisdom. First, the gospel of Jesus Christ, God steps into our darkness and he blows up our lies. He blows up all the deception we walk in. He shines his glorious light into all the ways you and I hide and lie and cover and says, step into the light and experience real redemption. And here's the beautiful thing about that. When we step into the light and just cop to our lies, we experience forgiveness. We experience salvation. We, we experience the grace of God coming and healing us. And so I want to encourage you, confess those things to the Lord. Walk in the light. Be someone who is transformed by the truth of the gospel. The love of God steps into your life and brings the redemption that you need. Experience the love of God. Be captured by the love of God. Find your identity in the love of God so that you can love other people. Like when we're resting in the identity and love that God has for us, we don't need to posture anymore. 
We can be free to speak truth to one another. We can be free to love one another. And here's also the good news of the gospel. If anyone lacks wisdom, as James says, let him ask of God who gives generously. God promises to give you wisdom. He promises to give you his spirit. So you can do this, not in your own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be transformed to actually walk in wisdom. And so let me encourage you, rest in what Jesus has done for you. Experience his forgiveness. Experience his love and trust in his power. And church, let's be people who use our communication wisely so that people can experience the life-giving truth of Christ. Amen?